This is Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities, and today I have with me Michael Kensley, who is a painter, photographer. He also happens to be a practicing cardiologist at the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, Your story is interesting to me for many reasons, and I thought we would talk a little bit today about your background, how you became a painter, talk about opening up to art, and really how the artist within us can be unleashed at any stage in our lives, despite our various backgrounds and and different occupational choices. Um, You currently have an exhibit at the Hudson River Gallery, and this is well-timed because that exhibition is up through November 11th. Um, that's a mixed media, uh, montage. Tell us a little bit about that work. So most of the pieces I started about a year ago or so, not quite, well, right around the election, actually, um, as a way of kind of blowing off some steam. Uh, and then more recently I discovered the, um, the fun of painting on tissue paper. And I started using just scraps <laughs> that came with a, with a gift, you know. And then I discovered you could actually buy tissue paper um, at, at an art store. So um, use uh, adhesive to put the uh, tissue paper down, and it creates all kinds of interesting wrinkles and surface texture. Mm-hmm. And then I can do some painting on top of that and on and on. Yep, these are mainly acrylic and tempera, tempera on tissue paper on canvas. Yes, with, with liberal amounts of spray paint. <laughs> I've seen them. They're very bright. They're beautiful. For people who want to see them in person, you can go to the Hudson River uh, Gallery, which um, is located on 538 South Gilbert Street. That's in Iowa City. It's upstairs from the mansion, which is an interior design a business, and it's this just this lovely historic old brick Italian um, style mansion on the corner of Gilbert Street and Bowery. You can also view the show online by clicking on uh, HudsonRiverGallery.com. Your initial foray into painting is really interesting. Tell um, us and describe for the listener how you started painting and what age you started painting. Well, um, this is one of those things I can't really fully explain. I was standing in line at Blick's art store to buy a, f- a frame for a photograph I had made. And they had a special running on, um, you know, sort of painting for dummies, starter kit kind of thing. And it was like $10. And I thought, well, you know, uh, that might be interesting. <laughs> and, um, and I knew that, you know, for $10, I could, I could... I could throw it away if it wasn't working out. So I bought one, and um, I brought it back and um, started painting. And the first painting I did was a painting based on a photograph that I had taken of an approaching thunderstorm. And, you know, it was fun. I sat out on the screened-in porch and, and made the painting, and I showed it to my wife, and she said, oh, that's very nice. Um, and then I kept painting these little, you know, these little cheap cardboard pieces of canvas. And after a while, my wife um, paid a little more attention to them and even put some frames on them. 
And then people started buying them, <laughs> which, of course, kept me going. That's a huge jump. Yeah, you, it is. <laughs> and we should mention you were 55 approximately yes. when you started to paint. Yes, 55 um, chronologically. Yep. Yes, much older than that in my mind. <laughs> but um, so we also um, had talked the other day about um, how I got started showing my work. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was a big step and a lot of hubris involved uh, because I decided to have my own show, to sponsor my own show, one-man show, me. And um, so I had a little uh, bit of gallery space associated with my studio and so I, I sent out a card and, and um, sent out some emails and told people I was going to show my art. And uh, to make it worth their while, I, we had food and, you know, adult beverages. And so it was on a Saturday afternoon or sometimes a Sunday afternoon. And um, I was petrified. Um, I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I started painting and I don't know why I decided I would have my own show. And the, sh the name of the show was By Myself. And um, had a pretty good turnout, sold a bunch of paintings, enough to pay the caterer. And so I <laughs> That's was- That's important. That is very important. <laughs> so I started having those little personal farm gallery shows uh, in the spring and fall every year, most years. While your paintings started out representational, they've, they've uh, morphed more into, uh, recently at least, abstract design. Yeah, so abstract painting is good for people with shaky hands. You know? <laughs> so uh, in the wintertime, I will um, break with my abstract tradition and um, f uh, fight off depression of the darkness with big, colorful flowers. So I, I sell a lot of winter flowers mm -hmm. if you... Well, we all have to find a way of dealing with the Iowa yes, winters. Fortunately, yes. our summers are gorgeous. You have a very unusual space to paint. Tell us a bit about that location. And I should say that you and your wife, Susan Fry, have renovated an entire farmstead. And that in itself would be a whole subject uh, for discussion. That's in the Quad Cities, just north of Davenport. Yes, it's about a mile from Maysville, mm -hmm. which yeah. is the uh, home, uh, the birth home of Willie Mays. It is? No. No, okay. <laughs> That's a story I'd never heard of. Before. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, I'm a little bit more interested in art and less, yeah, less well, interested sorry. in sports. But <laughs> um, so, so this farmstead's been in your wife's family for over 100 years. Yeah, I think the original farmstead, uh, which is nearby, was established in the early 1880s. Mm -hmm. And approximately 20 years ago, you started, 10 to 20 years ago, you started renovating and repurposing mm -hmm. the existing buildings. And I think that's just lovely. So the, you know, the house we've been working on, but there are several outbuildings, two two barns, very large shed and a chicken coop. Mm -hmm. What was the building that, that you're currently painting, and what was its original purpose? Well, way back, I think it had something to do with a hog operation, but then it became a wood shop and a metal shop. Mm -hmm. And that's where my wife's father worked in the winter um, when, he, when he wasn't farming. So um, I just basically cleared, a, cleared the space. Um, he and I uh, share a 
love of gravity uh, and would tend to let everything fall on the floor. And, and so that, that's how I operate, and that's how he operated. Um, and a lot of his old stuff is still around. And I, I think I may have told you that occasionally I need a piece for something, and I'll go and channel Susan's father and say, show me where this piece <laughs> is. And almost always, there it is. It's spooky. Yeah. It's very spooky. Well, he's just making sure that you take good care of his space, I prob- probably. <laughs> so, you, so you paint in there, and then you have also had gallery shows um, in your in that space, and you right. do that once or twice a year. Right, right. And, and I have it set up so that when I'm not having a show, there, there's kind of a lounging around area, mm-hmm. so, uh, the lounging part of the man cave. I think I need a space like that. Yeah, everybody needs a yeah. space like that. You have had, though, besides the current exhibit at Hudson River Gallery, you've had several other exhibitions with them. This is your fourth? Fourth or, or fifth. Show? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had uh, two or three shows with uh, a, a woman who is a close friend of mine who's a landscape painter. I had one show with uh, my friend Blair, who uh, is a cardiologist in the Quad Cities, and um, two or three solo shows. Mm-hmm. And all of those have been paintings, except for the photography mm-hmm. um, yeah. show that you had. So you're kind of dabbling in a lot of things. For people who want to read a little bit more about the renovated farmstead that you have, there was a great article in the Quad City Times. I think it was September 3rd, and then a recent large story in the North Scott Press. That's correct, yes. Why do you think people create art in the first place? Let's talk about that for a little bit. Well, that's a good question. Um, I I think that in some cases it's it's filling a, a gap or filling a um, a need that that people really can't identify or control. But you know, everybody I think wants to create something, you know, so people sew, they uh, cook, you know, they do all sorts of things. They make a beautiful yard. Mm -hmm. Um, And the funny thing is that most people don't see that as being the least bit unusual. Uh, But as soon as you start talking about painting or sculpting or, you know, that, oh, I could never do that. And the problem is that people don't really know what they can or can't do mm-hmm. because they've never done it. Mm-hmm. That's one reason why I think your story is so compelling because um, because you know it is it is true there that most of the time when we think of art we think of painting or um, uh, playing a musical instrument but art's a fairly broad umbrella and many things that we do do every day are artistic and it's never too late. In your mid-50s, you can take on a whole new venture that really has expanded your life and given it a lot more depth, it sounds like. Well, it's certainly made me a lot more observant. You know, I, I'm always looking for phrases and words and images that might uh, go into a photograph or a painting. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think it's, it's really about being creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are creative in many different ways, and and they assume that they can't be creative in an artistic way. But but I think that's usually not the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would agree. I think sometimes people are afraid of being creative because they feel they'll be rejected. Mm-hmm. As as an example of that was you being 
a little afraid or nervous when people came to your first show? Because it is, you're vulnerable, you're exposing um, an intimate part of yourself. And of course, we all want people to like what we create and produce. That doesn't always happen. No, but. <laughs> no, but but that's, you know, whether people want to admit it or not, they, they want people to like what they've created. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the the cards you send out a uh, a daily card it's not every day but you send Monday through Friday oh it is five Mm -hmm. days a week Mm -hmm. so there's an electronic form of communication where people can see your art as well yes it's um I I will take a image either a photograph or a photograph of one of my paintings and then I have an online database that I use to identify quotation that that the image suggests and so I put that together, and uh, at 5 in the morning, I send it out, and it goes all over the world at this point. And I've done maybe several thousand of these um, little electronic postcards. Mm-hmm. I've been receiving them for the last several weeks, and they're fun to, to read. With the um, with just so many uh, emails that are chores or otherwise material that you just want to delete, it's fun to have something that's beautiful that makes you think a little bit. Uh, when it shows up in your inbox. Um, you've dabbled a little bit in writing some poetry. Yes. You told me that art has unleashed all sorts of things, and um, I think that is a common experience that people have when they start expanding beyond their their usual comfort zone. Yeah. Well, I think Picasso said that all children are born artists, and then they grow up and and you know, it gets ruined. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some truth to, to yeah. that. Yeah, we don't play. We don't jump. We don't skip. We don't do a lot of things as we get get older. But we should probably do that a little bit uh, more. What would you say to a person who says, I could never do that? Well, how would you respond to that? Prove it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you say you can't do it, but you've never tried it. So yeah. uh, if, if you really want to be able to say you could never do it, you'd have to try it first, right? right? And, you know, the thing with art and a lot of creative things is it's not a huge expense. It's, you know, it's, uh, well, I got in for $10. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that was a great invest- investment. Yes, it was a yeah, really good investment. it was a really good investment. good investment. The other part of your life, which has been a major part for many, many years, is you're a practicing cardiologist at the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics, currently an emeritus faculty member. Um, there is a long humanist tradition of physicians being involved in the arts. Uh, there are a lot of famous physician writers, some musicians, some poets, not as many painters, but um, all of those forays into art, um, I think, just stimulates imagination and creativity. Um, the University of Iowa has a writing and humanities program. They have been intentionally... Uh, sought to develop that aspect of of the physicians' lives that are in their medical school program. Yes, it's uh, it's part of a an extension, really, of the the persona of the University of Iowa and Iowa City, the sort of the writing community. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there are just tons of different initiatives. I've been involved in. Uh, one called the Iowa Youth Writing Project, which uh, which um, allows uh, young children to experience um, 
writing and creativity with the help and supervision of adult writers. Mm-hmm. And it's a wonderful program. Right. The Iowa City, the, the Iowa Writers Workshop, of course, being based in Iowa City, mm-hmm. lends that. Um, it just is such an easy association. Um, but medical students there are involved in other things as well. Uh, we had talked before about the Asclepian Frolics, which is a, it's been <laughs> over a hundred years they've been host, they've been having this. Um, and uh, medical students perform comedies and musical acts. It's an annual event um, hosted by the Carver College of Medicine student government. Yeah. And you laugh because I've seen them, those yeah. acts before, and they're yeah. pretty hilarious. Yeah, they're kind of naughty, some of them. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. Are there assumptions that people make about you based on your chosen profession? Well, you know, so what I what I like to avoid is um, people saying or at least thinking not bad for a cardiologist. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, he's a doctor and he paints and isn't that nice for him? And I'd rather be I'd rather just be judged based on my art mm-hmm. without the crutch of being or, or the burden of being being a physician too. Mm-hmm. It's it's fun because I do uh, have patients that uh, I talk to about art, um, or you know the the process of of being an artist, and uh, I'm surprised at how many actually you know uh, either collect or they they're artists themselves or just like to like to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I have I have one patient that is an elderly woman who moved from New York many years ago who uh, had been a classical pianist in New York City and an uh, opera voice trainer. And obviously she's all about the arts, but she just recently decided she was going to start to paint at, you know, 80-plus years old. How's she, how's she doing? Uh, she hasn't shared any of them with me yet. But but it's important to try. She, she came to my show and... Uh, 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 she and a friend who's a photographer uh, bushwhacked me at the door so that she could get her picture taken with me, and <laughs> she wasn't sure she would be able to make it up the stairs, wow. and she finally did, and it was delightful. That's great. Most human beings are multifaceted, and we're complex organisms, and <laughs> and you, you can't um, just... Uh, put a label on someone based on what they do in their usual day-to-day life. Because if you dig deep, most of us are pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, well, and being a physician does give you an opportunity to see some of the more interesting aspects of people's lives. And, um, you know, some of those aspects are sad. Mm-hmm. And I think the painting is also a little bit of an escape from from the sadness that that imbues, you know, practicing medicine in an area where people are very, very sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You also told me, and it's somewhat related to that, that it's kind of a way of balancing the good and the bad, that there's some value in making um, and having something happen that's that you would consider an accident or a mistake. Uh, yes. Well, accidents are uh, a very prominent topic in, if you read artist statements, and uh, I think it was a couple of British um, painters who said, we don't make mistakes, we have happy accidents, <laughs> you know. And so um, I, I use techniques that facilitate accidents. So some of the tissue paper, you know, the texturing, 
Um, I do a lot of painting with unusual implements and tools like um, um, paint rollers and um, I, I cut shapes out of uh, potatoes and, you know, that, huh. that kind of thing. Just kind of making it more likely for, you know, an attractive accident mm-hmm. to happen. Yeah. Not a mistake. An accident. An accident. Yeah, and sometimes beautiful things result from that. Absolutely. Well, I hope everybody can make it to the Hudson River Gallery. That show is up through November 11th, so you have a week. There is an online way to view the, the paintings as well. HudsonRiverGallery.com has a slideshow where you can see Michael Kensley's art. So, Michael, thank you so much for talking with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. <laughs>